Despite the loss last Saturday, Notre Dame showed it has the talent to compete with pretty much anyone in college football. But obviously, talent isn't always enough. So now the real test begins. We'll find out what this Irish team is really made of against Duke. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome to Locked On Irish. Today is Wednesday, September 27th, and thanks as always for making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Tyler Wojak. I'm a Notre Dame grad and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And this episode of Lockdown Irish is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is time to officially turn the page from Ohio State to Duke. And I don't know about you, but personally, I cannot wait for this game to get here and get over with, honestly, so that my most recent memory of Notre Dame football isn't what happened against Ohio State because, yes, it still stings. And for all the people who I've encountered, whether it be friends, colleagues, whoever it may be, please stop asking me if I'm feeling okay now because I'm not, okay? And when people say, oh, well, was the game fun at least? It's like asking Mrs. Lincoln, oh, well, other than that, how was the play? I think we're all in the same boat here. We need to get beyond that uh, and beyond that loss to Ohio State. It might take days. It might take weeks, years. Who knows? But if Notre Dame gets a big win on Saturday against the Duke Blue Devils, who are currently ranked 17th in the Associated Press Bowl, I'd imagine we'd be on our way at least to getting to that point when this game doesn't just linger over our heads like a black cloud. But Duke is a really good football team. Here's what you need to know about them. Right now, Notre Dame is favored by 5.5 in this one, and the over-under is at 51.5 on Fandle right now. So Vegas is projecting Notre Dame to win this one by a score somewhat close to 29-23, to 23, so they expect this to be a pretty defensive battle, and it's going to be a big one. It's 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. It's going to be Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreit in the booth. Uh, Chris Chris Fowler is going to be uh, doing something else for ESPN. So game day is going to be there. And everyone in the college football world is going to be focused on the Irish once again. And I think everyone is going to be wondering the same thing. How is this Notre Dame team going to respond after the loss to Ohio State? The game is going to be played in Wallace Wade Stadium, which holds around 40,000. If you see it from the outside, it looks kind of like a high school stadium, or at least a high school in Texas, I should say, or Ohio, or any of the big high school football states. So despite the fact that there's not going to be as many people in the in the crowd as there were against um, in the Notre Dame game against Ohio State, I do expect it to be loud. I expect it to be rowdy, and Notre Dame is going to have to be ready to go and deal with a pretty hostile environment, despite the smaller crowd. And there's a lot at stake for Notre Dame in this one, and particularly Marcus Freeman. We all know about how last game ended, the last drive on offense, the last drive on defense, the 10 men. It's all been talked about at length on this podcast and so many others, so I'm not going to get into all that again. But this is a very important game for Freeman because he has to show that he has the ability to get the entire team and the staff to refocus on the task in front of them and not let that Ohio State game linger. I said this in the Monday recap episode 
you cannot let Ohio State beat you twice, and Marcus Freeman is largely responsible for that. And I imagine at practice on Tuesday, it was probably very physical, probably pretty emotional too because the players are probably still thinking about what happened, and getting back out in the practice field is probably the best thing for them at that time. I think uh, offensive coordinator Jared Parker described it as a good opportunity to get rid of the filth from the Ohio State game, and that's really was uh, really what it was. It was filth. And uh, D.J. Brown had uh, an interesting quote on Tuesday as well. He basically said that Notre Dame learned the hard way last year to not let a loss to Ohio State linger. He's obviously referring to Notre Dame's loss to Marshall in the week after. So that cannot happen again. If there's anything that Marcus Freeman learned from his first year as head coach, it has to be to be ready to bounce back after suffering a tough loss. And we're going to see if he's able to do that on Saturday. And I truly believe these next three games will be career-defining for Marcus Freeman. That might seem hyperbolic, but considering that stain from Ohio State isn't going away anytime soon, he can at least help rectify that by getting this team to play their full potential week in and week out and go on a bit of a run here. Because if Notre Dame does go on a run, that loss will become a lot more forgivable. We might never forget it, but we might at least forgive him if he's able to get things going here and Notre Dame finishes 11-1. But still, that's, that's a long way away. It certainly helps to have a veteran group, veterans on both offense and defense, guys like Sam Hartman at quarterback, who's literally seen it all um, during his now sixth year in college football. On defense, you've got leaders like J.D. Bertrand, Jack Kaiser, Cam Hart, guys who are in their fifth years. They've dealt with a lot of losses in their careers, and they've dealt with a lot of wins as well. They've experienced that, so they know how to get the team going. And uh, I do have a lot more faith in those guys to get the team ready to go this week, uh, a little bit more than last year because – Let's be honest, the way that the team responded after that first loss to Ohio State, it was it was pretty poor. And I think that's a reflection of, one, the inexperience in the coaching staff, but also it's on the leaders as well. And I have more faith in this team than I did last year's team. One, because they're more talented, but two, I just have more trust in the leaders. These guys have to keep the entire team accountable. It can't all be on Marcus Freeman and the staff. And they have to keep themselves accountable as well. They need to stay locked in and ready to go every single day, not just on Saturdays, but in all the meetings, all the practices leading up, everything that is on the leaders. And really, when I look at this Duke team, and I'm going to get into the offense and the defense, the coaching staff, all that later on, but really this game is about Notre Dame not beating Notre Dame because Duke is going to present a challenge for sure. But Notre Dame is clearly the better team, talent-wise. Okay, If you look at the roster, how much talent Notre Dame has on both sides of the ball, and then you compare them, Notre Dame has the edge. But obviously, talent isn't always enough. Notre Dame outplayed Ohio State for the better part of that game, but they still lost because they did not play a clean game for 60 minutes. If Notre Dame plays to their full potential, this game will never even be close, honestly. And Notre Dame has shown flashes so far that the, so far this season that they can be really good, but they have not put a complete game together yet. I guess maybe you could count that Navy game as one where they really were clicking on all cylinders, but still, it was Navy in the season opener, so I don't think that's even close to the full potential of what this Notre Dame team can be. That's the difference when you're playing uh, at the highest level of college football. If you are not playing up to your full potential, you're going to lose, and that's exactly what happened last week against Ohio State. So Notre Dame is going to have opportunities against Duke. Uh, they're going to have chances to score. They're going to be in third-down situations on defense where they just have to finish those drives, and that is going to be paramount in this game and all season long because if Notre Dame doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, they should be able to beat pretty much every team left on the schedule. USC probably close enough talent-wise, but there is a real chance that Notre Dame can beat 
every single team. That's going to be a lot easier said than done, especially with these next three games at Duke, at Louisville in primetime, and then at home against USC. But if this team is good as they believe they are, and we as fans believe they are, especially after what they showed against Ohio State and how close they were to knocking off one of the best teams in college football, then they can do, there's a lot more to accomplish this season. And plenty of championship teams have come back from a loss. Let's go back to 2014 Ohio State. That Ohio State team lost to Virginia Tech, who is unranked at home on September 6th, just their second game of the season. They ran the table after that, won the national championship. 2015, Alabama won the national championship that year. That team lost at home to Ole Miss, who was ranked 15th at the time, and that was their third game of the season. Then Alabama went on to run the table, but they really took off just two weeks after that loss. They smacked Georgia, who's not ranked number eight at the time, and they won that game 38 to 10. 2016, that was uh, Clemson's year. They finally won it all. They also lost to Pitt, who was unranked uh, on November 1st, but then they went on to beat Alabama in the national championship. 2017, Alabama lost to their arch rival Auburn on the last game of the regular season, 14 to 26, but then they bounced back. They were able to make it to the college football playoff, and they won it all. My argument takes a bit of a hit from 2018 to 2020 because each one of those championship teams went undefeated that year. But those are three of some of the greatest college football teams we've ever seen. That 2018 Clemson team, 2019 LSU, and then 2020 Alabama. Three historically great teams. I don't think we have a historically great team in college football this season. In 2021, that was also uh, a Georgia National Championship year, but they did lose to Alabama in the SEC Championship. They got beat pretty badly. 41-24, to but then they bounced back and they were able to beat them in the national championship. So you can lose games. You can lose one game, really. And Notre Dame has lost their game. They can lose one. If they win out, I'm not certain that they'll be in the playoff, but my point is championship teams have the correct mindset and the resilience to not let one loss tank the entire season. They're able to bounce back and play at their highest level, and they use that loss as motivation to help them throughout the rest of the season. I don't know if Notre Dame is built like that. I think they are, but I don't know. All I do know is that we're going to find out and we're going to find out starting this Saturday against Duke. So coming up next, let's take a look at that Duke team and what they bring to the table. Today's episode is sponsored by DoorDash. Love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door. With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. Want even more value? You can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery free on all eligible orders with the Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when use code locked on college at checkout limited time offer terms apply that's 50 percent off up to 20 dollars no min subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the doordash app in the app store and enter promo code locked on college don't forget that's code locked on college for 50 percent off your first order with doordash hey before we get back to the duke game this is a reminder to please like the video below and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on youtube or if you're listening to the podcast i'd greatly appreciate it if you rate the show five stars leave a review and of course subscribe 
So you might have heard of the Duke head coach. His name is Mike Elko, a former Notre Dame defensive coordinator, and he has done a fantastic job since taking over for the Blue Devils. He's actually 13-4 and four in just over a season and then four games into this season. And uh, when he was the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, he did one hell of a job. It was one season, but he really set the foundation for what the Notre Dame defense would be over the course of the next several years. Notre Dame finished 62nd in scoring defense in 2016 during that abysmal 4-8 and eight year. Then Notre Dame hired uh, Mike Elko. And then in 2017, the Irish defense finished 31st uh, in scoring defense that season. And then once Elko left to take the job at Texas A&M, Notre Dame did get to retain Clark Lee, who was a Mike Elko disciple. And then he kept that going for the next few years. When Elko was at Texas A&M, he turned them into one of the best defenses in college football by his fourth and final season with the Aggies, and then he left that uh, he left that job in College Station to take the job at Duke. And the Blue Devils were bad when he took over. They went three and nine in the season before Elko was hired, including seven losses by twenty five points or more. And then in uh, Elko's first season, they went nine and four. And four of those losses, they lost them by a combined sixteen total points. So they were in it in every game. And yes, I understand it's ACC and they didn't have the toughest schedule, but still going from three and nine to nine and four is really impressive. I don't care who you're playing. This season, they're 4-0, and their average margin of victory is 28.5 points. The only ranked team they played was Clemson in that season opener that we all watched on that Monday night. And even though Duke won by 21, that game was pretty close up until the very end in the fourth quarter when Clemson just could not stop shooting themselves in the foot. And Elko leads a pretty balanced team. Yes, their defense is great. That's really not a huge surprise. But they actually have a pretty quality uh, offense as well. They've been averaging 37.3 points per game, which is 28th in the country. And let's start with their offense and specifically their quarterback, who I'm sure you've heard by now. His name is Riley Leonard, and he's a stud, man. Um, Everyone got to see how good he was in that game against Clemson. But he's really been doing it for the last two seasons He's like a mid-round NFL draft prospect potentially after this season, but he's more of a threat as a runner than a passer. But let's talk about how he can throw it because he's pretty efficient, I would say. He's not going to throw it deep a ton. His average depth of target is 7.9 yards. Uh, For comparison's sake, Sam Hartman's is 9.6. Sam Hartman obviously likes to push the ball a little bit more. And then against Clemson, Leonard's uh, average depth of target was only 5.4 yards. So they were really trying to dink and dunk against that Clemson defense. Overall, he has a 67.7 completion percentage, which isn't that impressive considering, one, his completion percentage was 50% against Clemson, and he doesn't really throw the ball downfield that much. But he's racked up 778 yards in four games, zero picks, and he's only been sacked twice. But he only has two passing touchdowns, and I think that kind of tells you about him as a quarterback. He also went two of six on deep throws last week against UConn, so that's certainly not a strength for him. But his biggest strength is his running ability. He's second on the team in rushing yards with 238. That's just 20 yards behind their leading rusher, Jordan Waters, their starting running back. He averages 8.2 yards per carry as a quarterback. That's insane, man. That's really impressive. He already has four rushing touchdowns on the year, and he is a big, big dude. He's tough to bring down. He's six foot four, 212 pounds, and has already forced 19 missed tackles as a ball carrier this year and averages 5.68 yards after contact. That's nuts for a quarterback. He kind of reminds me of Sam Howell, even though Sam Howell uh, is like three inches shorter. And if you remember when Notre Dame was playing North Carolina, when Howell was uh, was quarterback, yes, they'd get after him because that North Carolina offensive line was so impossibly bad. But still, 
Sam Howell was really tough to bring to the ground, and he was really effective as a runner. He didn't even seem that fast, and then he'd kind of break through a couple tackles, and you're like, damn it, he just got 20 yards right there. Why couldn't we just get him down in the backfield when we had a chance? So it is absolutely imperative for this Notre Dame defense to wrap up and gang tackle and bring him down. And really, the entire defensive game plan is going to be is going to revolve around stopping Riley Leonard because he's the key to everything that they do. But it's not just Riley Leonard. They have some uh, good running backs as well. I already mentioned Jordan Waters. He's a senior. He's number seven. He's the team's leading rusher, and he averages 6.6 yards per carry. He has seven rushing touchdowns on the year. He's going to split carries with Jaquez Moore. He's number nine. He's averaging 5.3 yards per carry, so he hasn't been as effective as Jordan Waters. But trust me, he's a good back. Collectively, the three of them between Leonard, Waters, and Moore, they make up for a very strong rushing attack. They're 15th in the country in yards per rush. At receiver, not quite as talented, but they're still pretty decent. They've got Jalen Calhoun and Jordan Moore. Those are the two main guys to keep an eye out for. They both have 20 receptions on the year. On the year, And Jordan Moore is actually a converted quarterback. He was competing with Riley Leonard to be the starting quarterback during last preseason camp ahead of the 2022 season. Obviously, Leonard won the job, but Moore was too good of an athlete to keep off the field, so they moved him to wide receiver, and he's been pretty effective at the position. He's gotten a lot better from his first season to his second season, which isn't that surprising, but Calhoun is probably the more consistent one just given the fact that he's been playing wide receiver for most of his football life. So these guys are good, but they're not nearly as talented as what Notre Dame had to face last week going up against Ohio State's wide receiving core. As for Duke's offensive line, I would say they're they're decent, okay? They've got a really good left tackle, Graham Burton. He's a potential first-round pick in the upcoming NFL draft. I don't know if he's going to go that high, but he will get drafted probably uh, day two at the latest, I would say. He was on some preseason All-American teams, and he looked really good against Clemson's stout defensive line. They've only allowed two sacks on the year. I don't put that much stock into that stat, though, because they played some pretty weak competition. Yes, it's fourth in the country, um, but they've also given up pressure on 39% of dropbacks this season, so it's not like they're not letting guys through. They just haven't been able to get Riley Leonard on the ground, which, again, is why it is so important that whenever Notre Dame does have the chance to get to Leonard in the backfield, they got to bring him down because if he's able to shake off that contact, that's when he can get loose and really hurt you. So overall, I'd say they've got a good offense, not a great one. What they lack in talent at the skill positions on the outside, they make up for with their running game. And they don't really make a lot of mistakes. They only, they've only had thir- three turnovers on the year. They don't have a ton of negative plays. But as for how Notre Dame's defense matches up against this offense, I think if Notre Dame is able to stop the run, they will win this matchup with ease. Um, Jamie Uyayama from Irish Sports Daily pointed this out, that Riley Leonard had 30 more attempts in each of their four losses last season. They went two and four when he threw it over 30 times. So Notre Dame has to force him into obvious passing situations, and that's just not what they're built to do. They don't really have an explosive offense either. They've only had two pass plays go for more than 30 yards. And Notre Dame did a really good job of that last week going up against Ohio State. They held their running game in check for the most part. They did give up that critical 61-yard touchdown run to Travion Henderson. But outside of that play, and yes, they all count, but outside of that big explosive run that they gave up, they held Ohio State to just 2.5 yards per carry on 25 attempts. So really impressive performance against Ohio State. They're going to need to build off that going up against Duke on Saturday and not allow that big play, that back-breaking run that really hurt them last week. So can't let it up. Can't let it up to Riley Leonard. They have to gang tackle him like crazy. I do expect Notre Dame to rotate a lot more on defense than they did last week, partially out of necessity. 
Like, you got guys like Javante Jean-Baptiste going 64 snaps compared to Nana Asafa Mensa, who just had five. That's just one example that I'm using. But they really tightened up that rotation. And doing that in back-to-back weeks is not really sustainable. I don't care how good these guys are on defense. So guys are going to come in off the bench that we didn't see as much last week, and it's on them to step up in their uh, in their opportunity on Saturday because this is a pretty good offense, and they will definitely be tested. All right, now it's time to switch it over to the other side of the ball, and that's coming up right after this. College football season is here, and this season, the Locked On Podcast Network is kicking up our coverage with a new show called College Football Kickoff Live, which airs every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover everything going on in the sport and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of college hosts covering their team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand, and it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical Plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Not surprisingly, a team led by Mike Elko has a really strong defense. They're fourth in the nation in scoring defense. They've only given up 8.8 points per game, and they're fifth in yards per play allowed at just 4.1 yards per play. Tyler Santucci, Sant, excuse me, Tyler Santucci is the defensive coordinator, and Mike Elko said that he thinks Santucci thinks the most like he does from a defensive schematic standpoint of anyone who he's ever worked with, according to Adam Rowe, a writer for Duke 10. And that's pretty high praise, considering that Clark Lee was a protege of his a few years ago, and we know how talented Clark Lee is as a defensive coordinator now as the head coach at Vanderbilt. Under Santucci, their calling card is disguising pressure and running different coverages out of the same pre-snap look to try and confuse the quarterback. They run nickel a lot because their secondary is a lot better than their front seven, and that shows in their run defense. If you watch that Clemson game, you know that Clemson had a lot of success running the ball on Duke. Will Shipley and Phil Maffa combined for 6.39 yards per carry on 28 attempts in their game, and it felt like every time Clemson had the ball— they would get the drive going, they'd get into Duke's side of the field, and then they'd just commit some back-breaking turnover or critical mistake that would give up the ball, and then they'd score no points in the drive or they'd miss a field goal. Duke was able to improve their stats going up against weak teams like Lafayette and Northwestern, but still, I think Notre Dame is going to be able to run the ball on them. Uh, the best player on the front seven, in, the, in my opinion, is their defensive tackle, Dwayne Carter, but they're weak at linebacker, man. Trey Freeman is one of their starters. His missed tackle rate against the run is 33.3%, so he's missing a tackle once out of every three tries against the run. So Notre Dame should target Trey Freeman with Audric Estime, like Lou Williams hunting, you know, and and, uh, when teams used to do that going up against Lou Will in the NBA where they just keep working to get screens so that once Lou Williams is matched up on the ball handler, they just go at him because he was so bad at defense. That's how I expect Notre Dame to go at Trey Freeman if they can. Get him in one-on-one situations with any of the Notre Dame running backs, and I like the Notre Dame running back in that matchup every single time. But as I was saying earlier, their secondary is a much different story. They are first in the entire country in opponent yards per attempt at 4.4 and second in yards per completion at 8.1. Again, I know the competition hasn't been that great, but still, those are some impressive numbers. They're led by Miles Jones. He's number one, who, believe it or not, is in his seventh year of playing college football. Granted, two of those seasons were medical redshirts. Still, 
Sam Hartman isn't going to be the oldest guy in the field for probably the first time this season. He's a legit shutdown quarter. Um, he's given up just six catches on 13 targets all year for 59 yards. Plus, he's added two interceptions and two pass breakups. They're actually 10th in the country, I believe, in passes defended. Chandler Rivers, number zero, is another strong corner. He leads the team in tackles to 25, which I do find kind of odd that they have a cornerback who leads the team in tackles. Like It's one thing if it's a safety because they're kind of playing in the middle of the field. They can get some tackles on run plays. But Chandler Rivers, man, cornerback, leading the team in tackles. So keep an eye out for him. They've got quality safeties in Jalen Stinson and Jeremiah Lewis. And overall, they just have a really good secondary. It's a veteran group, experienced, and I will say they're a bit untested. In the same way that Ohio State was Notre Dame secondary's huge test, this is kind of how the Duke secondary looks at Notre Dame. This is their first big test. They have some really impressive numbers, but how good are they going up against a passing attack that's led by Sam Hartman? For as good as Duke's defense is, it's really not that close to Ohio State and what Notre Dame went up against last week. And Notre Dame was able to move the ball really effectively against the Buckeyes. And I don't think they're going to have any problem running the ball on this Duke team. They averaged 4.5 yards per carry last week against Ohio State in a game where Audrey Kestime only had 14 carries. Jeremiah Love, true freshman, had his breakout game. He had seven one-point yards per carry uh, on eight total carries going up against Ohio State, and maybe they keep feeding him this t- uh, in this game. Maybe he has sort of asserted himself as RB2 because there's still a role for Jabron Payne, especially in short-yarded situations. Jadarian Price, they like to get him in the mix as well. He played pretty well against Ohio State. But still, we might be looking at a situation now where it becomes Audrey Kesame and Jeremiah Love. is like a thunder and lightning combination, and I am here for it. I am a little bit concerned about Notre Dame's passing attack, just given the fact that Jaden Thomas is going to be out for this one. I know that Marcus Freeman said in his press conference on Monday that Jaden Thomas is questionable with a hamstring injury. How many questionable hamstring injuries have led to playing time that Saturday? I don't really see it happening. Maybe if it was Ohio State and said, I I don't even think that would be the case either, honestly. Deion Colsey looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks, too, dealing with a knee injury, which makes sense now considering he hasn't gotten that much playing time as of late. So a couple questions I have about Notre Dame's passing attack. Can Mitchell Evans build off his breakout game against Ohio State? And credit to Evans. He said that game was personal for him because he's from Ohio, and Ohio State didn't really recruit him. Well, he had an unbelievable game against them with seven catches on all seven of his targets, including one one-handed catch across the middle. That was maybe one of the uh, best catches we've seen from any Notre Dame receiver on the year. And can we please get the ball to Chris Tyree and Tobias Merriweather more in this game. It felt like Chris Tyree just was not utilized well enough going up against Ohio State. I know this is something that Greg Flamong, friend of the program for Irish Daily, he's been on this for a little bit now. Chris Tyree had a lot of plays where he was open against Ohio State if you go back and watch the tape. But on all the passing plays, it just seemed like he was the third or fourth read for Sam Hartman. And Sam Hartman was getting the ball out early. This isn't really a critique of Hartman. This is more a critique of the play calling in a sense of like, hey, you've got this really great slot receiver who's really good with the ball in his hands as well. Can we get the ball to him a little bit more in this game? We'll see. But the number one thing for this Notre Dame offense going up against Duke, they have got to finish drives and get points on the board. Duke's red zone scoring defense is second in the country, so it's going to be tough. They've only given up points in the red zone half the time. Notre Dame had the ball in Ohio State territory on three separate drives that resulted in zero points. That cannot happen in this game against Duke. Notre Dame's going to be able to run the ball. They're going to get the ball on Duke's side of the field, but can they convert? Can they get the ball into the end zone? They have got to do that in order to win this game, and it's probably going to be the deciding factor. 
Still got to talk about special teams, though. It's the third of the game, as we know on this podcast. They've got a pretty solid place kicker, Todd Polino, 5 of 7 on field goal attempts this year, 8 of 9 last year. He's got a long of 50 yards, so he can boot it. But he did miss one chip shot that was under 30 yards, um, and he missed another that was beyond 40. But overall, he's pretty consistent. Although, they still are trying to figure out their kickoff situation. Only 37% of their kicks have resulted in touchbacks, according to Jamie Uyayama. So, don't be surprised if Notre Dame has a chance to break one open here at kick return. I would love for that to be Jeremiah Love, especially after what we saw last game, but we will see. Keep an eye out for Duke's field goal block unit. They did block two field goals against Clemson. I don't know how much they had to do with Duke compared to Clemson's kicking game just being that bad, but that's something to keep an eye out for. I'm taking Notre Dame 27-20 to today. I'm recording this on Tuesday night, so maybe that changes uh, as the week progresses here. But right now, I like Notre Dame to win in a dogfight. As, as, even though that doesn't sound that fun, I think we can all admit that we're not really eager to be in another dogfight uh, this Saturday after what happened last Saturday. But Duke is going to be ready to go. They're a well-coached team. They're going to be up for this one. Game day is going to be there. I think this might be one of the biggest football games in Duke football history. I know it's not the most decorated program ever, but still... They've got some talent. They're going to be ready to go, and I think they're going to come out firing out of the gate, and Notre Dame is just going to have to keep things in check because if Duke gets out to an early lead, then there's going to be so much pressure on on this Irish team, and that is just going to be a lot to deal with, especially given what happened last week. So it's imperative that Notre Dame gets out to a good start. It's going to be tough considering that so many guys played so many snaps against Ohio State, but if they're able to do that, if they're able to stymie the crowd early, get in their rhythm, get in their game, put some points on the board, and put the pressure on Duke. I like Notre Dame to be able to pull away in the second half on this one. I think the difference maker is going to be Notre Dame's rushing attack. They're going to be able to lean on that in the second half, and that should propel them to victory. But I don't think it's going to be an easy one. And I'm not really looking forward to the three to three and a half hours of uh, my heart rate being through the roof yet again as I'm still trying to recover from last Saturday. But I think Notre Dame gets the win. I think they cover that five-and-a-half-point spread, and I think that next week going up against Louisville, it's going to be another tough test, but getting this win is going to be really important for this Notre Dame team to get back on track and and to be able to accomplish everything that they set out to do this season. That is going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. For the everyday listeners out there, I'm hoping to have Tim Murray from VSIN Radio back on the show tomorrow to talk more about the upcoming game against Duke. Uh, Tim was actually on the show in the preseason, we did a two-part season preview episode, and that was great. So be on the lookout for that. The easiest way to stay up to date on everything we're doing here on the podcast is to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod. My personal Twitter account is at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.